We're continuing where we left off. It is April 7th, 2019. We're going to continue our worship service with the thought of the week. All right. For April 7th, the thought of the week is as follows. For we are God's workmanship. When we think about God's workmanship, this says that we are the product of God's work. However, we are not just the product of God's work. We are his magnum opus. This is the greatest work he ever performed. The Father is proud of the work he planned and uses it to show forth his character as its creator. He removed every taint of sin and evil from us, and we will stand holy and blameless in his sight. Taken from Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4. When we look at ourselves, we cannot see how these glorious words apply to us. We should never focus on our limitations but our focus should be on the work of God. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it out onto completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Philippians chapter one, verse six. The work in us will not be carried out to completion by our work, but by the work of God in us. We have confidence in his work by faith, looking away from ourselves to the Father's plan allows that plan to come into focus. We can trust in the statements made of us and begin to walk and see ourselves just as the Father does. God has done something special, something marvelous for us. Since we are God's workmanship, we must be here for a very special purpose. We are designed to be an extension of God's presence and his purposes. We are equipped by God to do what he called us to do. All the assets we have been blessed with in this age are given with our specific purpose in mind. While we are here on the battlefield, we are perfectly equipped to do God's will. The victorious path before us has already been caused by our Lord Jesus Christ. We are not here to make our own way, but to walk by faith in his steps. From 1 John chapter 2, verse 6. That is the thought of the week, and I'd like to add my commentary about the simple salvation leading up to this. But there is a purpose for which we were saved. There is a purpose that we have to fill that is given to us by God. The, both the power and the understanding of our purpose come from him. But we have first to cross over a threshold, and that is from being lost to being saved. And that threshold is simply by the work that he has already accomplished. This thing about the workmanship and carrying out God's work is not something that we do to leading to salvation. Those are things that we can participate in as a result of salvation. Salvation itself is simple. It is easy. Perhaps it is not easy to think that it could be so simple, but it really is. For grace is by the, the great, for salvation is by the grace of God as a gift, not of our own works, so that we have nothing to boast about. 
And let us, so let us turn to him in the volition of our own minds and decide to turn in faith towards God and trust him for our salvation. Then after that, after that, we can participate in the workmanship that he has created in us. And that's the thought of the week in my commentary. And now we will have prayer. Thanks, Dwight. We're going to look to the Lord in prayer. Uh, and <clears throat> just going to throw it out there to see if there are any special prayer requests uh, that you have. I would like to continue the prayer that I mentioned last week about um, you know, God working in my friend to draw him to himself. Will do. Other thoughts? Keep me in my family in prayer. Okay. Got it. Okay. So let's look to the Lord. Father, I thank you so much for this time we have uh, where we take time now to think about your thoughts. And before we do, we just want to stop and <clears throat> draw our attention to those who we're working with. Uh, those who may not have eternal salvation. And we know you're already working in their hearts, uh, but we pray if it is your will that you use us in a special way. You can think of unspoken requests for those who may, whose names may not have been mentioned, but in particular, Mark comes to mind. And we're praying, lifting him up before the Lord, asking you to give him even another chance to consider the glorious gospel of truth. So also we pray for those who are sick among us. Uh, Brenda comes to mind, uh, asking that your healing, uh, your sovereign healing over her life would uh, be your choice. And also we're Praying for those of us who are struggling in, in pain and sickness or financial. Um, we know we're here for a purpose. And <clears throat> we know that these bodies that we live in will not last us uh, for eternity. That there is a new body that we have. That it will soon be ours. So we pray that we will continue to, to be useful to you on the battlefield. Thank you for Christ who blazed the trail for us, who showed us what it was to be human and fulfill your purposes. All this we ask in his name for his sake. Amen. All right, so we, we're going to continue from where we left off last week. We uh, are in one verse, which is 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10. It reads, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each of us may receive what is due us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. So you have your notes. <clears throat> and in your notes, it reads, when we reach the place where we will give an account of ourselves to the Lord, we will most certainly realize how important was the time we had on the battlefield. Of course, some already know that each hour, day, and year 
we have in this world is on display and being chronicled. Just as surely as we are alive, we will stand this judgment. No misconceptions, no distortions. But we will have a clear record for the eternal future of what we did or did not do. Remember, our Lord was judged for every sin we will ever commit. So sin is not the issue here. The issue is about our contribution to the eternal plan. To be in such a pivotal role, we have an obligation to represent our Lord. Allow God's eternal purpose here to define your motivation. So this is where we are. We started digging into this verse, uh, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. We, we didn't get too far last time, but I'm sure we'll get... Oh, you know, a little further into this. I don't think we're going to finish it all, but at least we'll have some more under our belt. So in review, so we make it our goal to please him, which will result in eternal rewards at the judgment seat of Christ. Uh-oh. Stand by. All right, continuing where we left off. So, uh, we, so we covered, this is in recap, our Lord Jesus Christ is the one uh, to whom we will, will report at the judgment seat of Christ. We say judgment seat of Christ. Christ is the one who will be the judge. So, and then we said there's no exceptions to this. All. And what do we mean by all? All that are in the church age. Whether you, everybody from Pentecost to the rapture when God calls the church uh, will be in this judgment. This, When we say all, we're talking about all. We're not talking about all humanity. Everybody born from, from Adam to the last person who would ever be born in the millennium. We're only talking about all with respect to the church age. Okay, so uh, that's important. And then <clears throat> we just reiterated that salvation is by grace through faith. It's not of ourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works. So rewards then are dependent on the believer's motiv motivation. So when we look at that, it does depend on, we, to, to receive rewards does depend on the believer. To receive salvation does not depend on the believer. Uh, it, the work necessary to save us, all that is necessary is for us to uh, is already performed by Christ. And all we can do with salvation is accept to receive it. That's it. We can say, yes, I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. So salvation and rewards are different. And we noted that God does know the difference between a reward and a gift. He's very aware of him, his scriptures, and what he wanted to say, he said it. And we said, um, the final reckoning, this is point F in uh, 1F, sins were already judged in Christ. That's 2 Corinthians 5.21. But what about the works that come from the sinful nature? And we said they, those were not judged. So that is why uh, all the works that are done will have to still stand judgment. They will need to be separated out 
as to what is the source of those works, whether they are from the sin nature or whether they are from uh, God's motivated new nature. Okay? So that is important for us to understand. All works must be judged, just like all sin. If God left one sin out and then we committed that sin, we would forever not have a Savior because it wouldn't have been under the atonement by Christ. And that one was left out. But that is not the case. Every sin of every person that would ever be born on planet Earth was judged. Now, every work of every person that would ever be born on planet Earth must be judged. So uh, that is the key. All of us in the church age will receive that judgment at the judgment seat of Christ. And so forth and so on with the rest of humanity, depending on where they uh, when they get their judgment. We, we noted last time that the great white throne judgment is not about sin. It is about works. And the word is ergon. Works production, right? That, that What happens is that that becomes the indictment for those um, who... Uh, you know, are not saved. If you show up at the great white throne judgment, no one survives that. They are all thrown into the lake of fire. So uh, the only question is, what is the criteria of that judgment? It is not sin. Christ died for all the sins, and that covers, or it extends to those who don't believe in him. And then they are judged by their works and their works are found wanting from the sin nature and which do not um, they don't have the perfect righteousness of god uh, which is required to live with god forever so they must then live on the rejection or wrath side of god the judgment side of god forever so those are how it all works out in the end as we say, the final reckoning. So ultimately, there will be no misconceptions in the eternal state. Everybody will know what did come from the sin nature, and it must be destroyed. Everything, every vestige of uh, <clears throat> motivation from the sin nature must be judged and placed in its proper place. No misconceptions. Then we said... Um, so there we said there was a difference between the judgment seat of Christ and the great white throne judgment in Revelation 20. That's point G. And I don't know if we covered that in detail, but just to note, the differences are very clear. It is those who have believed in Christ will not be in the great white throne judgment. There is a difference. All those who um, believe in Christ will be judged by their works. And obviously the righteousness of Christ is what is the exchange, right? Not only are their sins paid, but they also receive the righteousness of Christ. So it says in 2 Corinthians 5, 21, God made him, Christ, who had no sin, he's our Savior, to be sin for us, meaning he... We, his All of our sins were imputed to him, and he received the guilt and the punishment of our sins, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. 
So there you have two sides of salvation. The righteous life of Christ that he lived, he earned before the Father, we get credit for. The sins that we produce under our sin nature, Christ gets credit for and is judged for those sins. So they're no longer, God is propitiated. He's not worried about sins anymore. Now it's about righteousness, right? That's what, what the issue is. So we need to make sure we understand that so that people will know, when we, especially when we talk about salvation. Now I know a lot of gospel uh, invitations that I've seen, some, not, not a, I, I just, I'll just say some of these exist out there. Where it's all about love. God loves you. He loves you, he loves you, he loves you. And he wants you to, you know, to be enveloped by his unconditional love. And he just wants you. You know, well, one thing people need to recognize about God is he's righteous. That's, and if you don't see this, and we play this out all the way to the end of time. Notice, it doesn't say anything about love here. And say, People showed up at the great white throne judgment, and, uh, and, and because of God's love for them, nothing about that. It is completely a matter of justice. God's righteous standards are at stake here. Will anybody squeak by and, and be saved and they don't have the righteousness of Christ? Absolutely not. There is only one standard of righteousness that God will accept as a human being. As with relative to human beings. And that is the righteous standard of Christ. If you don't have that, then you will show up at that great white throne judgment. I don't care if you're rich, poor, mighty, whatever you were in life. doesn't matter. You will show up at that great white throne judgment. And if you don't have the righteousness of Christ, then the Bible says you will be thrown into the lake a fire. So that is uh, sobering to me. It, you know, so I think in our gospel presentation, even if we say God loved the world so much, what did he do? He got rid of the sin problem. That's what he did. How did he do it? Well, he sent his son. And whoever believes in him will have eternal life. Right? And then we receive as a result of our belief in him. Not only do we receive justification, but we receive eternal life. So keep that in mind as we think about the difference between the judgment seat of Christ and the great white throne judgment. And then let's move on to point two. So that each of us may receive what is due us. So we're so even after salvation, there's something that we may receive. I'm not talking about the second blessing or the, you know, the Holy Ghost or any of those things. I'm talking about rewards here. Rewards are due us if we uh, do not run aimlessly, if we do not box by beating the air, never hitting the target, if we keep our discipline in terms of following the plan of God, we go into strict training. Yeah, there'll be a reward because we have diligently sought him in our Christian experience. So 
so so each one may receive what is due us. So let's go into it. Uh, first point. This phrase speaks of responsibility. And uh, some of us don't want to hear about that. But yes, we do have a responsibility before God. And again, this responsibility does not in any way encroach on uh, the, the salvation by grace that we all have by simply believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. There is no condemnation in Christ. Uh, there is no works necessary to maintain. Uh, obviously, we're talking about two different subjects. So, if there is a responsibility created between us and God. It has nothing to do with our soul salvation. We are saved. That is, if you believed in Christ. And that is uh, never going to be changed. There is no behavior that can take you out of salvation once you have it. it, it there is no unrighteousness or sin that you can be involved in that somehow you will now be revert back to an unbeliever. That is impossible. So what are we talking about here? We're talking about the responsibility that we have according to our calling. So that each one of us may receive. So the previous verse says, so we make it our goal to please him. Right? Whether we're at home or if we're away, no matter what, we still have the same motivation to fulfill the Father's plan, his purposes for our lives. We, we want to continue to fulfill that so that when we get to the judgment seat of Christ, then uh, we may receive what is due us. And there's the responsibility. So point A, this phrase speaks of responsibility. Therefore, as one who was called to be in Christ before the creation of the world, we have a divine expectation over our lives. That is true. A divine expectation. God expects something from you. <laughs> That's what you have to think about it. It'd be one thing, and we, we could, I know we, we could talk about salvation, and if we never pivot to our responsibility to God, some people will think that, uh, that we don't have a responsibility. It's some laissez-faire, uh, casual Christian lifestyle that uh, God doesn't care. He doesn't, doesn't, it doesn't matter to God. Since salvation is by grace and is through faith, it's not of ourselves, the gift of God, not by works of righteousness, which we have done. Right? All of those things are talking about salvation. And if we can't pivot to what it is to live before God, then we're going to miss out on what is due us. So that's important. Some people will, as we said, some people will be rewarded and some people will not be rewarded. I highly doubt that everyone will reach the judgment seat of Christ and be rewarded. I highly doubt that. Although I can't know, can I? I can't understand fully, but I can, the way it all shakes out, according to the scripture we read about, not beating the air and Paul potentially being disqualified for the prize and at the end of his life saying, I have fought a good fight. I have kept the faith. I have done these things. So I just think, no, you will not receive a reward 
And the reward is not according to what you think is good. Like, oh, well, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to set these standards or rules up for my life. And I feel like I'm going to knock the ball out of the park on every one of them. And then, therefore, God, you must reward me. The end. No, God is not rewarding you according to your standards and what your requirements are. It's according to his standards and what his requirements are of over your life. So keep that in mind. The more you learn about your calling, the more you can fulfill it, the more you can please him. Right? So it's important that you, you take that responsibility, right? That you see that. Don't get it confused with salvation. I know some people will. But for us here who understand that salvation is one subject and, you know, the rewards that we may earn are another subject. Point B, God rewards those who perform the role they were given. <clears throat> so Ephesians 6, 7, and 8, I'll just turn to it. We've commented on this verse so many times. It's good to read it again in this context that we're talking. Ephesians 6, 7, and 8. Serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not people. It's interesting because this has to do with slaves, right? People, now the Roman Empire was filled with slaves. In fact, there was one point where the Romans were afraid that there would be a slave revolt. There were so many slaves. They, the slaves could have amassed power and took over everything. Rome's worried about that. <coughs> so they had to, to do certain things that, at that time to try to make sure that that didn't happen. But slave, it was a common understanding in the Roman time in which the Bible was written. Slaves were um, all over. It, it was a very common thing. So when we see here, serve wholeheartedly. So uh, he's saying, you know, don't get confused with your service here in this world. You are on the battlefield, and you are serving the Lord. Whatever capacity in which you find yourself, wherever you are, don't, don't let it bother you. But if you can get your freedom, he says, then that's good. God wants you to be free. But even under a, sla a slave capacity here, he's saying, you are serving the Lord not people. So a person could say, well, my whole life, people lived and died in slavery. I mean, that was, they were born into slavery and they died into slavery. So are we to say that their lives are a waste? That they have nothing to contribute and no uh, value before God? Absolutely not. We cannot say that. God doesn't say that. He says that they were serving the Lord. That's how he... Uh, wants you to proceed, right? He wants you to have this, the proper attitude about where you are in life. And this could be said wherever we are. We could be born rich, poor, in this race, in that race, in this um, social strata, in that social strata. As it says, slave, free, right? Remember we talked about the mystery and all of the, uh, so, you know, the racial distinctions, the social distinctions, 
all of those things fall to the ground when it comes to those who are in Christ. We, once we understand our calling, then it is our calling to, to worship the Lord. And wherever he chooses to put us in the battle, that's, we are not, we can't say where we're going to be. The Lord has to put us in the battle. So this is important. Serve wholeheartedly. Don't be like, well, I'd rather be over there, so I'm only going to do 50% of the job that I you know, I'm not. I'm not. I'm gonna not do what I really should do because I don't like the job I'm doing. Well, and notice as if you are serving the Lord and not people. And why? 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 You have to see the bigger picture because verse eight, you know, that the Lord will will reward each one for whatever good they do whether they are slave or free. So there you have it. God is not uh, ignorant. He's not blind to who you are and what you're doing. Every believer has great value to God. Every believer. I don't care where they are. See, we as human beings look at things according to the station in life that people have or the race that they come from, or, or the social strata that they, they belong in. None of that matters to God. Just remember, those are human distinctions that we have made, and we have placed value on those human distinctions. That, that is a human thing altogether, and that is a sin nature thing, and eventually that will be destroyed. Just like we talked about all the things, everything that comes from the sin nature will eventually fall to the ground. None of that will matter in terms of God and how he sees us. That's good to know, isn't it? It's very good to know for those of us who are not in the highest stratas of human distinction. Right? It's good to know. God, we know this. This is why we're taking time to look at these verses now so that we recognize um, that there are goals to the Christian life. It's not just, okay, we got saved, now just continue in whatever you, uh, whatever pursuit you want. God does have a plan. And you will be called to say, well, what did you do when you were in the body? What, did, what was your motivation when you were there? Yes, it will there'll be a final reckoning, as we said in the last uh, section. So God rewards those who perform the role, the role or roles they were given. And we, we gave those verses. Point C. Roles and responsibilities. <clears throat> Spiritual gifts come to mind. So if I look at Ephesians 4, 7 for this one, first it talks about the unity of of the faith, right? How, what is having humility? Uh, what should it cause us? Hum, it should be each. We should be humble and gentle, patient, bearing with one another in love. That's because we're all from different places. Right? How should we, you know, exist as the body of Christ? But notice verse seven. After he went through all the unifying things that we have. <clears throat> and we could say this, right? 
There is one body, one spirit. So it doesn't matter whether you're Jew or Gentile, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. Just, it doesn't matter whether you're Jew or Gentile. One Lord, doesn't matter whether you're Jew or Gentile. One faith, doesn't matter. One baptism, doesn't matter whether you're Jew. One God and Father of all. And we can continue saying that because there are no distinctions in the church. Those have fallen to the ground. So verse 7 says, But to each one, Again, just like we saw before, each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. So when it says grace, <clears throat> he's getting ready to talk about gifts. And he's going to talk about, in particular, the communication gifts. And he says it, that it's grace. Grace is undeserved favor, kindness, like we, God is equipping us with something, but it's not because, you know, of us or particular. It's just that his plan is he's sovereign. He gets to choose. In fact, that's what it says in 1 Corinthians 12, that he gives or distributes the gifts just as he, God the Holy Spirit, desires. When Christ ascended on high and gave gifts, he's the one that distributed the first uh, um, gifts to be given to the church. And then the Holy Spirit took over. So just notice verse 7. Each one of us has been given. So if God equips you with something. That creates a responsibility. Not only is your calling create a responsibility. But what he has equipped you with. Creates a divine expectation as well. So. Uh, our roles and responsibilities come into play. Whatever your gift is, then you are going to be responsible to do what God has equipped you to do. If you're cooperating with him, then God will lead you to function according to your gift. And you will then be judged by how that works. In fact, that's what we saw in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. There was uh, some dissension and division in the early Corinthian church about who was the better speaker, the better leader, whether it be Paul, Apollos, Cephas. And some were just saying, well, I follow Christ, so we're better than all of you. We're just following Christ. Nonetheless, there was dissension, strife, uh, back and forth about, you know, uh, who was the greatest and all of that, which is wrong thinking to start with. So, remember... 1 Corinthians 3 talks about each man will receive a reward. They're going to have a judgment. And guess what? Their judgment is tied to the spiritual gifts that God himself gave them. Those communication gifts. That was the, the thought there in 1 Corinthians 3. <clears throat> so you can know that to each of us, God has, this grace has been given, meaning he has given us spiritual gifts. And 1 Corinthians 12 says that too. Each one has received a gift, and we don't know what it is. And he didn't say, well, you got this, but he lists some gifts to help us understand uh, what was happening. And not only that, to respect the gifts that are in the body, because it, it's it's the pastor that's not the only one that has the gift. I mean, there are other gifts that help the common good of the body. In fact, that's what it says the gifts are for, the common good. And if we want that, 
if we want to exist and, and flourish as the church on the ground, we need all the gifts that God has given us to come to bear, to come to, to the fore. And that's, that's why it's important for us to make sure that we respect the gifts. Not only, oh, what is my gift, but respect the gifts of others as well. So that's point B. God rewards those who perform the role. So the, how will you be rewarded at the judgment seat of Christ? That's like it says in 1 Corinthians 3. On that day, right, these things will be judged. And the fire will try every man's work to see what sort it is. And if it so survive, he will receive a reward. If it doesn't survive, then he will still be saved, yet so as through fire. In other words, the fire will help people. There won't be any misconceptions, right? <clears throat> if, if, if the person did what was right according to uh, God's standards of, of righteousness, then they will receive a reward. If not, they won't. They will suffer loss. They won't get what was due them. It will be loss. So, it's just like John 15 as well. I am the vine, you are the branches. We spoke about this briefly last week. That was to say that we, the works we do, are not literally us. It is God doing the works through us. We're the branch. Branches, when people look at a beautiful tree with, um, you know, fruit on it, their eyes are definitely drawn to the fruit. They, they never look at a beautiful peach tree, let's just say it is, a beautiful peach tree with beautiful ripe peaches on it. They never look at the branches and say, wow, those are some beautiful branches. No one says that. They look at that fruit. They say, wow, that fruit is nourishing. Oh my gosh, I bet it's juicy. Juicy. It's, it's nice to eat. And let me have some. Right? That's all they're thinking about. They're not thinking about the branch. We are the branches. The fruit is divine. It is exactly what people need. And it is God working through us to produce his fruit. Point D, let's continue on. We will, will, we, will we, we receive a reprimand or retribution? And so I only put this thought in here just because people think, you know, judgment seat of Christ, it is this uh, solemn, you know, maudlin, you know, place that we come to where you know, there's judgment and there's the judge and he bangs the gavel down and sentences us or something. So when we think of judgment here, we, we really have to remind ourselves that there is no retribution, no reprimand. Now, whatever happened, in other words, if you functioned and you were not functioning according to <clears throat> the standard, God is going to level the playing field. This is not about reprimanding you. And there is some shame that you may feel as a result of that because you did have the wrong motivation. That is right. You did have it. God is not going to uh, apologize to, to say, well, I apologize that you had the wrong. No, he's going to say it. It's exactly what it is. So it's not about reprimanding you. It's about setting the record straight. That's what's important to God. That his righteousness be the standard 
that is lifted up, not somebody's motivation that was wrong. All of those, the secret thoughts, the motives of the, and intentions of the heart will be laid bare. And God will deal with that. So that could be tough, but it is not uh, about losing your salvation or <clears throat> being condemned to hell or anything. Remember, and I say propitiation. God is satisfied with the work of Christ on your behalf. The reason why you stand there uh, and God is not going to throw you in the lake of fire, the justice of God cannot condemn you, is because of Christ. Your belief in him has not only brought you the righteousness of God, but the work of Christ has brought you propitiation. Your sins are, God is not going to call you into question about any sin that Christ paid for. And that's every sin. So that's why we say sin is not going to be the issue when you get to the judgment seat of Christ. So it is not something to be worried about. Oh boy, you know, uh, let me, it's like you're studying for a test and you get to the, the test and you fell asleep the night before where you should have been studying and then you get to the, t the test and, you're, and, and here it is and you're all worried. You don't know anything, you know. No, no, it's not that at all. It is what it is. Your life will be what it will be. And uh, I'm not saying coast. I'm saying you should put the pedal to the metal and fulfill, fulfilling the purpose for which God has called you. Right? So that's important. So there's no retribution, no reprimand, no scolding. Right? It, it is about uh, whether we receive a reward or we do not. Moving forward, point E, therefore, this is a scripture that um, I have always loved, and I thought, why not throw it in here? <laughs> this is sort of selfish of me here. But therefore, my, uh, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Now, this is like battlefield talk. You know, it just seems like people need this information from time to time just stand firm it's tough living down here yes it is it's not a cakewalk so he says stand firm let nothing move you always give yourself fully to the work of the lord and i just like the other verse that reminds me serve wholeheartedly because you know that your labor in the lord is not in vain remember god will reward everyone for whatever work he has done. That is true. It is not for nothing. Give yourself to the Lord. It will pay great dividends uh, when you get to the judgment seat of Christ. Point F. What is due us? Let's look at that phrase. What is due us is specific to our calling in Christ, not a calling for Jews and Gentiles, but for the church, which is his body. The fullest, fullness of him who fills everything in every way. So <clears throat> when we think about what is due us, it, it is with reference to our calling. Now, we can't say what's due us and, and then you start thinking, well, I want the land. I want that section of land that God promised, uh, you know, the, ben, the tribe of Benjamin. That's not due us. 
our destiny is not to receive a plot of land. Our destiny is that we are called for a very special purpose in Christ. And our home is heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So we have a role. So that when he says we are his body, the fullness of him that fills everything in every way, the whole world is waiting for the sons of God to be revealed. Not only us, not only the rational creatures, but creation itself needs to have a creator at its hub, at its helm. And that is part of the role that we have. Uh, all things are created uh, for him, by him and for him. That's part of the role that we are united to Christ in a special relationship. And this speaks of our eternal role in Christ. Not just what we are doing now on the battlefield, but what happens after we leave here. What happens after we, we get to the judgment seat of Christ? Then this will be our destiny. We will be Christ. That part, obviously we're not the head, so Christ still will have a head and a body, meaning there will be authority in the body of Christ. We will clearly be the body of Christ, but we are said to be Christ nonetheless. We are Him. We are the fullness of Him. We complete Him. Without Him, there's no us. Without us, there's no him. At least the, the thought of what the Father planned for him from eternity past. So that's important for us to note what is due us. Well, all of this is due us. right? But when we get to the judgment seat of Christ, how we uh, understood and contributed to the goal that God had for us. Right, who we are in Christ. Right, that's part of the mystery age being now revealed is for us to go out and to make it plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, the unsearchable riches that are in Christ. So that that's our goal. Our role is to make that plain. Right? And and if according to how we do that is according to uh, how God will see to what is due us. All right, so continuing with that thought, Paul was clear about his calling, and it was not to accentuate the Mosaic law, but to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ, and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God, who created all things. Remember, when you think about what Paul's calling was, it was specific. It wasn't just, well, Paul, I'm going to put you as apostles of the Gentiles. I just want you to be good before them. Follow moral principles. Follow the law. You know, do this, do that. Right? That wasn't it. It was a very specific calling. And I want you to realize that when you're talking about what's due you at the judgment seat of Christ, then you need to track back to, well, what did you do? according to the calling that you have. Some people don't even recognize that they're, the age we live in is unique. So what, what of their service? <laughs> what of their contribution to the eternal purpose of the Father? Obviously, there won't be much to do them if they are not focused on fulfilling the plan that God has for, uh, for the church. That's where we find ourselves right now.
we're in this age where God is calling out many sons in the glory. Those sons uh, were predestined to be conformed to the pattern of his son, our Lord Jesus Christ. It's a very unique calling. So of all the things that when we think about what is due us, we must focus on this point. This is our calling. If we are not about this, then God is not going to be rewarding us later. It is not just a reward for whoever was good or whoever, um, you know, didn't violate my law or something. This is the standard. And the Spirit, working with our motivation, our spirits, are, are how God will judge uh, that information about how we've been faithful to it or not. So those are important factors that I want to make sure everyone, uh, because if we get to the judgment seat of Christ and we don't have, you know, the criteria of the judgment, I think we have missed the mark. I think it's safe to say that if people don't understand the age, that this is the mystery age, that our the doctrines that we have. We're not under the law, right? That they have to come to assimilate that in order for them to be effective witnesses in this time. If they are not doing those things, then you could hang whatever shingle you want in front of a building, but you are not fulfilling the purpose for which you were called. We will continue with this next week with the phrase, for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. Let's bow our heads as we close. Thank you, Father. We're so glad to be here. You, you brought us here. You, you awakened in our spirits the knowledge of the truth. Help us to continue to grow in it, to be led by the Spirit so that we can understand the depths of your will for us. We thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you for this, the people who have come and have made join themselves to, a, to this church so that we can be witnesses for you in this world collectively. We pray with the same mind and the same purpose that we want to be pleasing to you. We want to show up at the judgment seat of Christ and receive what is due us for the things done while in the body. All of this we ask in Christ's name for his sake. Amen.